Hello, Culver Church. My name's Shane and I work for London City Mission. And I work in partnership with Hope Church Vauxhall. I'm a missionary in Vauxhall. And I'd just like to take this time to thank you for allowing me to speak to you. I wish it was in person, but alas, we can't do it in person because of this dreaded coronavirus. And I've just been asked to give you a good report and share something from the Word of God um, to hopefully encourage us all, especially through this time when we might be feeling lonely, a bit depressed, things getting on top of us, maybe we've got financial worries. And hopefully that this will bring joy to you, and renew you in some way with Jesus, and be a good report and would really be an encouraging thing that you can hear. So I work on the Vauxhall Gardens Estate, which is in Vauxhall, South East, South London, basically Central London. And I work in a council estate, I work in a council estate called Vauxhall Gardens Estate. Now the Vauxhall Gardens has a very chequered history. In the 16th, 17th and 18th century, it was a place where the aristocracy used to go to get up to naughtiness, without going into too much detail. A rumour abounds that John Bunyan's Pilgrim's Progress, the Vanity Fair in Pilgrim's Progress, was based on the Vauxhall Gardens area. After World War I and between World War II, between World War I and World War II, they built a massive council estate on here, Homes for Heroes, and since then it's been going outwards and outwards and progressed into quite a large council estate in central South London. On our council estate, we have a number of different types of people. It's majority white working class, probably about 50%, maybe just a bit less. We have a large black community, both black British, second, third, fourth generation, and, and Africans who have just immigrated over here. We have a small Eastern European community, but also a very large Portuguese and Spanish-speaking community as well. And many people in this area have what you call service level or lower level jobs. So many people work in Sainsbury's or in the pub, work in Marks and Spencer's, work in some form of call centres uh, and so forth like that. So as you can imagine, at this time, people are either working really hard, because they're in Sainsbury's 24-7 trying to keep the shelves stacked, or have got no jobs at all. And generally on this estate, I work with uh, Hope Church Vauxhall, it's also where I worship with my family. I have a wife and two kids. And my role is to reach out to this estate whilst getting other people from Hope Church Vauxhall and training them to reach out to this estate with me. And we do many things in that. So we do football clubs, we do youth clubs, both for the, uh, our younger kids and for our teenagers. We do lunch clubs and we do food banks. And we do a lot of things on the estate. We do door knocking. And we know a lot of people in the community and the community know what we're about. Also, just as a side note, this estate was one of the founding estates for one of the biggest teenage gangs in South London. So when you hear about the stabbings on that and the news, it could be people from this estate. I mean, it, it's all over London, really, but one of the biggest estates, one of the biggest gangs in South London who are involved in that come from the estate in which I ministry. And that leads our boys club to be very interesting because a lot of the lads we have are on the edges of society. They're on the margins. And they're basically, uh, they can go two ways, either leave a good life for themselves, get a good education, or they could go the other way and end up in some form of street gang. So this is where we seek to proclaim Jesus, to preach the gospel. And I suppose like many of you, you've been 
thinking, what can I do in lockdown? Um, for me, I'm not sitting here twiddling my thumbs by God's grace, but there's many things we're doing in lockdown at the moment. So a lot of our stuff is now online. Um, a lot of, believe it or not, our football club's online, where we just meet up with the lads we play football with, the over-18s via Zoom, and we chat and we catch up and we talk about football. Our boys' club is also online. Um, that's our teenage club from the uh, 12 to 18-year-olds. Um, which is excellent, and we're doing something called the Urban Catechism Ribbon, which I have to hand, which is here. So this Urban Catechism, you can see that there, there we go, it's basically based on the historic catechisms of the Christian faith, Westminster Catechism, London Baptist Confession and so forth. But the questions about doctrine in it are questions that people on the states would ask. So like, who is God? How does Jesus fully man and God? Uh, what is the church? What's the Bible? Is the Bible true? And it answers those questions. And not only that, it has application questions in it as well as going through the Bible. And so we really get to build relationships with these guys as we understand who God is and then the application questions that go with that and we search the scriptures for who God is. And not only that, I'm also meeting up with a few other guys via phone and Zoom. First guy, I can't give you his real name, so I'll just call him Jay. Jay's a lovely guy, he's really encouraged me, but he's got a lot of learning disabilities. Um, and so it's really been an encouragement for me, and it's really been a learning curve for me, which God and uh, Jay's been doing, to really teach me how to do the urban catechism and read the Bible with a guy who's got neurologically divergent issues. And it's encouraged me, it can be a challenge at times, but it's more of a blessing. So please be praying for that. And I'm also reading the scriptures with another guy called Lee. Now, Lee's a very interesting character because he just got off heroin in March, then the lockdown happened. And so what I've been doing, I've been meeting up with him twice a week via phone, and I've been going through the Gospel of Mark with him, reading a chapter. It's quite an interesting um, way we do it. It's because I read a chapter to him. He goes, oh, I like that, I like that, what about that, for about five minutes, and then goes, sorry, Shane, I'm getting tired now. I'm going to bed. Fair enough get to read the Bible with him, so please pay for um, Lee in that, because that would be it's a real blessing, but please pray he stays away and keeps clean and repents and believes and trusts in Jesus and will have a deep and intimate relationship with Jesus Christ. I've also been asked to um, share a bit from the scriptures from you, for you, which I will, I've got my Bible to hand, and today we're in Psalm 103, and I don't know about you, Lockdown for me has been a real blessing in some areas, getting to spend time with my kids and my wife and so forth, been an excellent blessing. But also coupled with that, because you're with people 24-7 in your family, it's also been a time of sin. <laughs> and it can also, you can get into each other's feet, get annoyed with each other. And when I sin like that, I always think to myself, how can God forgive me? Sin against my family, sin against God. And I always think to myself, I need compassion. I need compassion. That's what I think to myself. And it was interesting because one of the reasons I felt called to give the gospel to least reached people on council estates was because I knew they needed God's compassion too. And there's a psalm that I always meditate on when I get myself in a pickle, whatever that is, with anxiety, stress or sin. And it's a psalm that really infuses me to go out and tell people about Jesus. 
and I suppose it all started really how this psalm came to light is when I first started working for the mission back in 2014. I worked in Weber Street, which is our homeless day centre, and a guy came into homeless uh, into our homeless centre, Weber Street. He absolutely stunk. So much so, the other homeless guys who were sitting in the tables near him moved away from him. A bit like this, they moved away from him. He smelled bad. The closest thing I can give it to was the smell of death, if you've ever smelt that before. That's the closest thing I could say it was, um, that I've experienced before. That smell. And then he started walking up to me. And me, being a good missionary Christian, was like, please don't come near me. Please don't come near me. But then he came to me and started telling me his story. And his story was this. He had been long-term homeless for many years and was an alcoholic. However, he managed to find a flat, by God's grace, the council found him a flat, and he got off the booze, but he had repercussions from being an alcoholic because he basically lost his liver, his liver packed up, gone. And so he had to have a bag there instead to do his um, toileting and stuff and to do his urating and stuff. But then... Something went wrong with his property, something went wrong in his personal life, and he went back on the streets again, started drinking again. And lo and behold, that's where I met him, at Weber Street. And what it was, his bag that had been there as his replacement for his liver had burst. And obviously he ain't been to hospital, sort it out. And he'd been living in his own urine and his own feces for six weeks. Same clothes, all over his skin, everything. And when this guy was walking up to me, I felt God say to me, he needs the same thing as you, Shane. You're in the same situation as him. And all of us, in a way, spiritually at least, are in the same situation as that guy who walked into Weber Street. And let's have a look at how this psalm speaks to us. The psalm 103, written by David, who was a mighty king of Israel, huge mighty king of Israel, great warrior. Um, was called a man after God's own heart, wrote a lot of psalms, and he says this, Praise the Lord, my soul, all my innermost being, praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not his benefits. Now, if you were in the same room with me, but alas, you're not, I'd ask you, who is David talking to here? Praise the Lord, all my soul. Praise the Lord and praise his holy name. Forget not all his benefits. The answer is he's talking to himself. He's talking to his soul. He's talking to his soul. He's commanding his soul two things, to praise the Lord and to not forget God's benefits. That's what he's doing. And a benefit is something where really superior, gives to an inferior. A bit like when I take my kids shopping. He's only two. And if he wants a big toy, he's too small to get it and he ain't got no money to get it. So I have to get it for him and pay for it. That is me as a superior, blessing my son, who is an inferior. In a similar way, a lot of people on my estate have either been furloughed or have lost their jobs completely, so now they're on benefits. That is a government giving a benefit, a superior to inferior. What David is asking is he's commanding his soul to not forget God's benefits. What are they? What are God's benefits? Just as a side note as well, this is a really good spiritual habit to get into. When you're feeling anxious, down, lonely, or even far from God, or even a bit apathetic towards God, command your soul, do not forget his benefits. And then remind your soul what those benefits are, which David is going to do now. So, verse 3, who forgives all your sins, 
one benefit. He was all your diseases, two benefits. Who redeems your life from the pit, three benefits. Buys back your life from death. And crowns you with love and compassion. And crowns you with love and compassion. And it's this fourth benefit here I want to look at. You see, David uses here this image of crowning. Now, I'm a bit of a history buff. I love history. I did a degree in it. I've also, I also read a lot of books on it. That's what I like to do. I know it's a bit sad, really, isn't it? But the thing is with crowning is that when a monarch is crowned, it signifies they're being blessed by God, anointed by God with the crown to rule their country. And the country's identity is in them and their identity is in the country. And God has given them that blessing to have that. But we see here, even though David is a monarch, he's not being crowned with that. He's being crowned with God's love and compassion. And that means David's whole life, his whole crowning, his identity is fixed in how much God lovingly loves him and how much God has compassion on him. David's love is surrounded that. But it's not only David, it's us too, because he says you have been crowned with love and compassion. So those who are Christians, those who believe and trust that Jesus died for their sin and rose again, God, well, our identity is in how much God loves us and how much he has compassion on us. Now, if that doesn't get you up in the morning, I don't know what does. If that doesn't help you in lockdown, I don't know what will. Remind ourselves, command our souls to remember that God's loves us and has compassion on us and our identity is in that every step we move forward everywhere we go every thought we think God's love and compassion is with us our identity is that now let's have a look at some other things who satisfies your desires with good things so fifth benefit so that your youth is renewed like an eagle sixth benefit and this youth being renewed like an eagle. I was um, looking something, I think I was watching the wildlife program a few months ago about eagles. And eagles are very energetic birds. They fly around for ages and they swoop down and then they get their prey. And what David is saying here is, is that God renews us, energizes that like us like that, like the energy of an eagle, which is really helpful if we're struggling to get out of bed in lockdown. So I don't know about you, for me, some days I just think it's the same old stuff again. It's mentally tiring lockdown. It's the same old stuff. Or maybe you're a key worker and you're going to hospital or you're a care worker and you're seeing people suffering. And you think, oh, I don't know if I can do this again today. God renews our strength and renews us and gives us energy like an eagle. Gives us energy to serve him. Gives us energy to serve our families. Gives us energy to serve our communities. When we're feeling despondent, downhearted, maybe lack of energy, we think, I just don't want to do this today. Command ourselves, remind ourselves, remind our souls that God renews our strength like an eagle. Let's carry on. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all the oppressed. Amen. One of the reasons I got into ministry was the least reach. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all the oppressed. He'd made known his way to Moses, his deeds to the people of Israel. Exodus, verse 8. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in love. Now this is what 
people call the Old Testament motto. The Lord is compassionate, gracious, slow to anger and abounding in loyal love. A bit like big marketing companies have mottos tonight, today. McDonald's, I'm loving it. Uh, Nike, just do it. You know, swoosh. God's Old Testament motto is this. The Lord is compassionate, gracious, slow to anger and abounding in loyal love. And this word compassion in the Hebrew is very interesting. The word translated compassion in our English Bibles, the, the Old Testament was written in Hebrew. So without getting too technical, the word for compassion here in Hebrew is rachum. Rachum. Sorry, I, I can't really say it that well. But it's similar to our word womb. W-O-M-B. Womb. Baby in the womb. W-O-M-B. Sorry, I can't say my R's or W's. And our English word comes from this word here, from this Hebrew word, womb, W-O-M-B. So how does a woman have compassion on their baby in the womb? So I've got a wife, two kids, and she's been pregnant twice. And many of you women who are watching this might have been pregnant and know what it's like to be pregnant. A woman's body is completely geared to compassion on her baby. A whole mental state, a whole physical state. A whole emotional state. When my wife is pregnant, she dreams about the baby. She dreams about the baby quite a lot. She also, all when she eats all the nutrients she eats, they all go to the baby. And this leaves her sick, morning sickness. Because the baby's taking up all the nutrients. So her body's geared towards protecting that baby. Emotionally as well, she's thinking about the baby a lot. How can I make this comfortable, this house comfortable for the baby to come? How can I make it as comfortable as possible for me and the baby to protect the baby, to make the baby comfortable? And she also, when she used to work in central London, and she used to have to get in the train, I don't know if there'd be that many rush hours anymore, but in rush hour, she would walk in rush hour holding her bum to protect her from people knocking into the bum. My wife's whole body was geared towards having compassion on that baby in the womb. A woman's whole body is geared towards having compassion to her baby in the womb. In a similar way, that's how God has compassion on us. But in a greater way. Because human beings are sinners and God is not. God's compassion is like how a woman has compassion on her baby in the womb. That's what it means for God to be compassionate to us. God loves us and has compassion on so much. He's there to protect us, to care for us to love us, to serve us, so much so he sent his son to die for us. God's compassion is with you every day, with me every day. No matter what I face, no matter what I struggle with, no matter what anxieties we have, no matter if we struggle to get out of bed, no matter what the lockdown's happening, no matter what's going to go on in the future with economics and so forth, God's compassion is with us. And our identity is in God's loving compassion towards us. Command our souls to remind us that the Lord's compassion is like that of how a woman has compassion on her baby in the womb. And it is always with us. Let's carry on. Just a few more verses now. Verse 9. He will not always accuse, nor will he harbour his anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve, or repay us according to our iniquities. So true. We sin every day. We sin literally almost every other minute of the day. And he, God does not treat us as we deserve in that. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth. For as high as the heavens are above the earth. 
so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. How high are the heavens above the earth? It's not worth for space. Space continually goes on and 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 on. There is no end. There is no high. It goes round. So God's love for us, his people, is higher than the heavens above the earth. God has forgiven our sin, your sin, my sin, as far as from the east as the west. How far is the east as from the west? Well, it can't be measured. Because our sin is totally blotted out in front of God. Remind ourselves of that. Speak to our souls. If you're struggling here with sin today and thinking that God doesn't love you, remind yourself God's love is greater and further than space can imagine. And he has thrown your sin as far as from the east is to the west. Command your soul to remember that. Amen. Let's carry on. Verse 13. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. I knew a guy that he used to work very long shifts. He would come home and he would have kids and they'd be at his knees. And instead of just going in, having dinner, watching TV, picking up his newspaper, instead you'd spend a couple of hours with his kids and put time into them and play with them. He had compassion on his children. He wanted to love his children and have compassion on them and spend time with them, even if he was in that state of tiredness. In a similar way, God has compassion on us like that, but even in a greater way. And our identity is found in that compassion. Verse 14. For he knows how we are formed. He remembers that there's dust. That is so true. Especially for today with coronavirus. We can easily get diseases. Easily die. Get fragile. Get injured. God remembers that. He knows that we're not superhuman. The life of mortals is like grass. They flourish like the flower of the field. The wind blows over it and it is gone. And its place is remembered no more. The Lord's love is with those who fear him. So fear here is not like that, ah, sort of fear. It's more of the awe-inspiring, awe-struck sort of fear. A bit like if you had loving parents and you knew they loved you and had compassion on you and treated you well, but you wouldn't cross them. A bit like God's love, a bit God's fear here. And those who fear God truly are Christians, those who trust and believe in Jesus. And his righteousness with their children's children with those who keep his covenant and remember to obey his precepts. The Lord has established his throne in heaven and his kingdom rules over all. Now David says this, Praise the Lord, your angels. He's commanding the angels to praise him. You mighty ones who do his bidding. Praise the Lord, all you heavenly hosts. He's commanding the heavenly hosts to praise the Lord. You who do his servants, do his will. Praise the Lord, all his works. He's commanding creation now to praise the Lord, everywhere in his dominion. And then he goes back to what he said at the start. Praise the Lord, my soul. That guy in Weber Street, which I started this talk off, needs compassion. So do I. And so do you. Especially we all do in this time. And it's hard to think and remember God's compassion. Especially if we're highly anxious about finances, family, loved ones who are far. Maybe we've got some people who are ill, who are close to us and we love. Command our souls today to remember God's benefits, even in these tough times. God has compassion on you. And your identity, if you're a Christian here today, is in God's compassion for you. No matter what your sin is, no matter what you're going through, and no matter what the world is going through. 
And this is something we all need to hear. My contacts need to hear. Your family needs to hear. This city needs to hear. This nation needs to hear. This world needs to hear. Now let me pray for us. And I'm going to pray that God would help me to command my soul to praise him and not to get his benefit. So maybe you could pray the same too. Lord Jesus, I pray that you'd help me not to forget your benefits and help me to praise you, to not to praise you, to love you. Help me to command my soul to remember your benefits. When I'm in those bits of desperation and despair and mental tiredness, help me to remember, to command my soul to praise you, Lord. Thank you for forgiving us our sins and thank you that our identity is in your compassion and love. Lord, be with us, I pray. In your name. Amen. So guys, I suppose that's it. Thank you once again for supporting the mission through your prayers, through your sacrificial giving. And your church has been supporting the mission Calvary Church for many years. So thank you for that. And hopefully one day I can come and visit you in person. If you'd like any more information about the mission, um, please just go on our website or email. And there you have all the email addresses and all that on there. If you want any more information about what I do with the mission in Vauxhall, contact the mission again and I'll be able to somehow get my prayer letter to you which I give out every two to three months but God bless you and I'm sorry I can't be there and hopefully one day in the future I can be. God bless. Bye bye.